Chapter Five, Part Two of the Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three. This LibriVox recording is in the public domain. Recorded by Céline Major. The Mysteries of Paris, Volume Three by Eugène Sue. Chapter Five, Part Two, The Clients. Sarah had scarcely left the notary before Monsieur Charles Robert entered, after alighting from a very dashing cabriolet he went like a person on most intimate terms to the private room of jacques ferrand the commandant as madame pipelet called him entered without ceremony into the notary's cabinet whom he found in a surly bilious mood and who thus accosted him i reserve the afternoon for my clients when you wish to speak to me come in the morning will you my dear lawyer this was a standing pleasantry of m robert i have a very important matter to talk about in the first place and in the next i was anxious to assure you in person against any alarms you may have what alarms what haven't you heard what of my duel your duel with the duc de lucenay is it possible you have not heard of it quite possible pooh pooh but what did you fight about a very serious matter which called for bloodshed only imagine that at a very large party monsieur de lucenay actually said that i had a phlegmy cough that you had a phlegmy cough my dear lawyer a complaint which is really most ridiculously absurd and did you fight about that what the devil would you have a man fight about can you imagine that a man could stand calmly and hear himself charged with having a phlegmy cough and before a lovely woman too before a little marchioness who who in a word i could not stand it really the military men you see are always sensitive my seconds went the day before yesterday to try and obtain some explanation from those of the duke i put the matter perfectly straight a duel or an ample apology an ample apology for what for the phlegmy cough pardieu the phlegmy cough that he fastened on me the notary shrugged his shoulders the duke's second said we bear testimony to the honourable character of m charles robert but m de lucenay cannot ought not and will not retract then gentlemen replied my seconds m de lucenay is obstinately determined to assert that m charles robert has a phlegmy cough yes gentlemen but he does not therefore mean in the slightest way to impugn the high respectability of m charles robert then let him retract no gentlemen m de lucenay acknowledges m robert as a most decidedly worthy gentleman but still asserts that he has a phlegmy cough you see there was no means of arranging so serious an affair to be sure not you were insulted in the point which a man holds dearest wasn't i well time and place were agreed on and yesterday morning we met at vincennes and everything passed off in the most honourable manner possible i touched m de lucenade slightly in the arm and the seconds declared that honour was satisfied then the duke with a loud voice said i never retract before a meeting but afterwards it is a very different thing 
it is therefore my duty and my honour impels me to declare that i falsely accused m charles robert of having a phlegmy cough gentlemen i not only declare that my honourable opponent had not a phlegmy cough but i trust he never will have one then the duke extended his hand in the most cordial manner saying are you now satisfied we are friends through life and death i replied and it was really due to him to say so the duke has behaved to perfection either he might have said nothing or contented himself with declaring that i had not the phlegmy cough but to express his wish that i might never have it was a most delicate attention on his part this is what i call courage well employed but what do you want my dear cash-keeper this was another of m robert's habitual pleasantries it is a matter of great importance to me you know that according to our agreement i have advanced to you three hundred and fifty thousand francs fourteen thousand livres to complete a particular payment you had and it was stipulated that i was to give you three months notice of my wish to withdraw that money the interest of which you pay me regularly go on well said m robert hesitatingly i no that is what why it is only a whim of becoming a landed proprietor come to the point pray you annoy me in a word then i am anxious to become a landed proprietor and if not inconvenient to you i should like that is i should wish to have my funds now in your hands and i came to say so aha that does not offend you i hope why should i be offended because you might think i might think that i am the echo of certain reports what reports oh nothing mere folly but tell me oh there can be no certainty in the gossip about you what gossip oh it is false from beginning to end but there are chatterers who say that you are mixed up in some unpleasant transactions idle gossip i am quite certain it is just the same as the report that you and i speculated on the exchange together these reports soon died away for i will always say that so you suppose that your money is not safe with me oh no no but at this moment i should like to have it in my own hands wait a moment m ferrand shut the drawer of his bureau and rose where are you going my dear cash-keeper to fetch what will convince you of the truth of the reports as to the embarrassment of my affairs said the notary ironically and opening the door of a small private staircase which enabled him to go into the pavilion at the back without passing through the office he disappeared he had scarce left the room when the head clerk rapped again come in said charles robert is not m ferrand here no my worthy pounce and parchment another joke of m robert there is a lady with a veil on who wishes to see my employer this moment on a very urgent affair worthy quill-driver the excellent employer will be here in a moment and i will inform him is the lady handsome one must be very keen-sighted to discover for she has on a black veil so thick that it is impossible to see her face really really i will make her show her face as i go out 
i'll tell the governor as soon as he returns the clerk left the room where the devil has the attorney at law vanished said m charles robert to examine the state of his finances no doubt if these reports are groundless so much the better and when all is said and done they can but be false reports men of jacques ferrand's honesty always have so many people jealous of them still at the same time i should just as well like to have my own cash i will certainly buy the chateau in question there are towers and gothic turrets quite a la louis quatorze the real renaissance and in a word all that is most rococo it would give me a kind of landed proprietor's sort of air which would be capital it would not be like my amour with that flirt of a madame d'harville has she really cut me can she really have given me the go-by no no i am not trifled with as that stupid porteress in the rue du temple with her bob wig says yet this agreeable little flirtation has cost me at least one thousand crowns true the furniture is left and i have quite enough in my power to compromise the marchioness but here comes the lawyer m ferrand returned holding in his hands some papers which he handed to m charles robert here said he are three hundred and fifty thousand francs in bank bills in a few days we will balance the account of interest give me a receipt what exclaimed m robert astonished do not go to think that i don't think anything but the receipt dear cash-keeper write it and tell the persons who talk to you of my embarrassments how i reply to such suspicions the fact is that as soon as they hear this your credit will be more solid than ever but really take the money back again i do not want it at this moment i told you it was three months hence monsieur charles robert no man suspects me twice you are angry the receipt the receipt man of iron that you are said m charles robert there he added writing the receipt there is a lady closely veiled who desires to speak to you directly on a very urgent affair won't i have a good look at her as i go out there's your receipt is it all right quite now i'll thank you to go out this way and so not see the lady precisely so and the notary rang and when the chief clerk made his appearance he said ask the lady to walk in good day monsieur robert well i see i must give up the chance of seeing her don't bear malice lawyer believe me if there there that'll do good-bye and the notary shut the door on monsieur charles robert after the lapse of a few moments the chief clerk introduced the duchess de lucenay very simply attired wearing a large shawl and her features entirely concealed by a thick veil of black lace depending from her watered silk bonnet of the same colour madame de lucenay a good deal agitated walked slowly towards the notary's bureau who advanced a few paces to meet her who are you madame and what may be your business with me said jacques ferrand abruptly for sarah's menaces and m charles robert's suspicions had a good deal ruffled him moreover the duchess was clad so simply that the notary did not see any reason why he should not be rude as she did not immediately reply he continued abruptly 
will you be so kind as to inform me madame sir she said in a faltering voice and endeavouring to conceal her face in the folds of her veil sir may i entrust you with a secret of extreme importance you may trust me with anything madame but it is requisite that i should know and see to whom i speak that sir perhaps is not necessary i know that you are probity and honour itself to the point madame to the point i have some one waiting for me who are you my name is of no consequence sir one of my friends a relative has just left you his name monsieur florestan de saint-remy ah said the notary and he cast a scrutinizing and steadfast glance on the duchess then he added well madame monsieur de saint-remy has told me all sir what has he told you madame all what all sir you know i know many things about monsieur de saint-remy alas sir this is a terrible thing i know many terrible things about monsieur de saint-remy oh sir he was right when he told me that you were pitiless for swindlers and forgers like him yes i am pitiless so this saint-remy is a relative of yours instead of owning it you ought to blush at it do you mean to try and soften me with your tears it is useless not to add that you have undertaken a very disgraceful task for a respectable female at this coarse insolence the pride and patrician blood of the duchess revolted she drew herself up threw back her veil and then with a lofty air imperious glance and firm voice said i am the duchesse de lucenay sir the lady then assumed the lofty look of her station and her appearance was so imposing that the notary controlled fascinated receded a pace quite overcome took off mechanically the black silk cap that covered his cranium and made a low bow in truth nothing could be more charming and aristocratic than the face and figure of madame de lucenay although she was turned thirty and her features were pale and somewhat agitated but then she had full brown eyes sparkling and bold splendid black hair a nose thin and arched a lip red and disdainful a dazzling complexion teeth of ivory and a form tall and slender graceful and full of distinction the carriage of a goddess in the clouds as the immortal saint simon says with her hair powdered and a costume of the eighteenth century madame de lucenay would have represented physically and morally one of those gay and careless duchesses of the regency who carried on their flirtations or worse with so much audacity giddiness and real kindness of heart who confessed their peccadilloes from time to time with so much candour and naivete that the most punctilious said with a smile she is doubtless light and culpable but she is so kind so delightful loves with so much intensity passion and fidelity as long as she does love that we cannot really be angry with her after all she only injures herself and makes so many others happy except the powder and the large skirts to her dress such also was madame de lucenay when not depressed by sombre thoughts she entered the office of m jacques ferrand like a plain tradesman's wife in the instant she came forth as a great proud and irritated lady jacques ferrand had never in his life seen a woman of such striking beauty so haughty and bold and so noble in her demeanour the look of the duchess 
her glorious eyes encircled with an imperceptible bow of azure her rosy nostrils much dilated betokened her ardent nature although old ugly ignoble and sordid jacques ferrand was as capable as any one of appreciating the style of beauty of madame de lucenay the hatred and rage which the notary felt against m de saint-remy was increased by the admiration which his proud and lovely mistress inspired in him devoured by all his repressed passions he said to himself in an agony of rage that this gentleman forger whom he had compelled almost to fall at his feet when he threatened him with the assizes could inspire such love in such a woman that she actually risked the present step in his behalf which might prove fatal to her reputation as he thus thought the notary felt his boldness which had been for a moment paralyzed restored to him hatred envy a kind of savage and burning resentment lighted up his eyes his forehead and his cheeks seeing madame de lucenay on the point of commencing so delicate a conversation he expected from her caution and management what was his astonishment she spoke with as much assurance and haughtiness as if she were discoursing about the simplest thing in the world and as if before a man of his sort she had no care for reserve or those concealments which she would assuredly have maintained with her equals in fact the coarse brutality of the notary wounded her to the quick and had led madame de lucenay to quit the humble and supplicating part she was acting with much difficulty to herself returned to herself she thought it beneath her to descend to the least concealment with a mere scribbler of acts and deeds high-spirited charitable generous overflowing with kindness warm-heartedness and energy in spite of her faults but the daughter of a mother of no principle and who had even disgraced the noble and respectable though fallen position of an emigre madame de lucenay in her inborn contempt for certain classes would have said with the roman empress who took her bath in the presence of a male slave he is not a man monsieur notary said the duchess with a determined air to jacques ferrand monsieur de saint-remy is one of my friends and has confided to me the embarrassment under which he is at this moment suffering from a twofold treachery of which he is the victim all is arranged as to the money how much is required to terminate these miserable annoyances jacques ferrand was actually aghast at this cavalier and deliberate manner of entering on this affair one hundred thousand francs are required he repeated after having in some degree surmounted his surprise you shall have your one hundred thousand francs so send at once these annoying papers to m de saint-remy where are the one hundred thousand francs madame la duchesse have i not said you should have them sir i must have them to-morrow and before noon madame or else proceedings will be instantly commenced for the forgery well do you pay this sum which i will repay you but madame it is impossible but sir you will not tell me i imagine that a notary like you cannot find one hundred thousand francs by to-morrow morning on what securities madame what do you mean explain who will be answerable to me for this sum i will still madame need i say that i have an estate four leagues from paris which brings me in eighty thousand francs three thousand two hundred livres a year that will suffice i should think for what you call your securities yes madame when the mortgage is properly secured what do you mean 
some formality of law no doubt do it sir do it such a deed cannot be drawn up in less than a fortnight and we must have your husband's assent madame but the estate is mine and mine only said the duchess impatiently no matter madame you have a husband and mortgage deeds are very long and very minute but once again sir you will not ask me to believe that it is so difficult to find one hundred thousand francs in two hours then madame apply to the notary you usually employ or your steward as for me it is impossible i have my reasons for keeping this secret said madame de lucenay haughtily you know the rogues who seek to take advantage of monsieur de saint-remy and that is the reason why i address myself to you your confidence does me much honour madame but i cannot do what you ask of me you have not this sum i have much more than that sum in banknotes or bright and good gold here in my chest then why waste time about it you require my signature i suppose well let me give it to you and let us end the matter even admitting madame that you were madame de lucenay come to the hotel de lucenay in one hour sir and i will sign whatever may be requisite and will the duke sign also i do not understand sir your signature alone would be worthless to me madame jacques ferrand delighted with cruel joy in the manifest impatience of the duchess who under the appearance of coolness and hauteur repressed really painful agony for an instant she was at her wit's end on the previous evening her jeweller had advanced her a considerable sum on her jewels some of which had been confided to morel the lapidary this sum had been employed in paying the bills of m de saint-remy and thus disarming the other creditors m dubreuil the farmer of arnouville was more than a year's rent in advance on the farm and then the time was so pressing still more unfortunately for madame de lucenay two of her friends to whom she could have had recourse in this moment of distress were then absent from paris in her eyes the viscount was innocent of the forgery he had said and she had believed him that he was the victim of two rogues and yet his position was not the less terrible he accused he led to prison and even if he took flight his name would be no less dishonoured by the suspicion that would light on him at these distressing thoughts madame de lucenay trembled with affright she blindly loved this man at the same time so degraded and gifted with such strong seductive powers and her passion for him was one of those affections which women of her character and her temperament ordinarily experience when they attain an age of maturity jacques ferrand carefully watched every variation in the physiognomy of madame de lucenay who seemed to him more lovely and attractive at every moment and awakened still more his ardent feeling yet he felt a fierce pleasure in tormenting by his refusals this female who could only entertain disgust and contempt from him the lady had spurned the idea of saying a word to the notary that might seem like a supplication yet when she found the uselessness of other attempts which she had addressed to him alone could save m de saint-remy she said at length trying to repress all evidence of emotion since you have the sum of money which i ask of you sir and my guarantee is sufficient why do you refuse it to me because men have their caprices as well as ladies madame well what is this caprice which thus impels you to act against your own interest for i repeat sir that whatever may be your conditions 
i accept them you will accept all my conditions madame said the notary with a singular expression all two three four thousand francs more if you please for you must know sir added the duchess in a tone almost confidential i have no resource but in you sir and in you only it will be impossible for me at this moment to find elsewhere what i require for to-morrow and i must have it as you know i must absolutely have it thus i repeat to you that whatever terms you require for this service i accept them nothing will be a sacrifice to me nothing the breath of the notary became thick and in his ignoble blindness he interpreted the last words of madame de lucenay in an unworthy manner he saw through his darkened understanding a woman as bold as some of the females of the old court a woman driven to her wit's end for fear of the dishonour of him whom she loved and capable perhaps of any sacrifice to save him it was even more stupid than infamous to think so but as we have said already jacques ferrand sometimes though rarely forgot himself he quitted his chair abruptly and approached madame de lucenay who surprised rose when he did and looked at him with much astonishment nothing will be a sacrifice to you say you to you who are so lovely he exclaimed with a voice trembling and broken with agitation as he went towards the duchess well then i will lend you this sum on one condition one condition only and i swear to you he could not finish his declaration by one of those singular contradictions of human nature at the sight of the singularly ugly features of m ferrand at the strange and whimsical thoughts which arose in madame de lucenay's mind at his ridiculous pretensions which she guessed in spite of her disquietude and anxiety she burst into a fit of laughter so hearty so loud and so excessive that the disconcerted notary reeled back then without allowing him a moment to utter another word the duchess gave way still more to her increasing mirth lowered her veil and between two bursts of irrepressible laughter she said to the notary overwhelmed by hatred rage and fury really i should much rather prefer asking this advance from m de lucenay she then left the room laughing so heartily that even when the door of his room was closed the notary heard her still jacques ferrand no sooner recovered his reason than he cursed his imprudence but he became reassured on reflecting that the duchess could not allude to this adventure without compromising herself still the day had been unpropitious and he was plunged in thought when the door of his study opened and madame seraphin entered in great agitation ah ferrand she exclaimed you are right when you declared that one day or other we should be ruined for having allowed her to live who that cursed little girl what do you mean a one-eyed woman whom i did not know and to whom tournemine gave the little chit to get rid of her fourteen years ago when we wished to make her pass for dead ah who would have thought of it speak speak why don't you speak this one-eyed woman has been here was downstairs just now and told me that she knew it was i who had delivered up the little brat malediction who could have told her tournemine is at the galleys i denied it and treated the one-eyed woman as a liar but bah she declares she knows where the girl is now and that she has grown up that she has her and that it only depends on her to discover everything is hell then unchained against me to-day exclaimed the notary in a fit of rage what shall i say to this woman 
what shall i offer her to hold her tongue does she seem well off as i treated her like a beggar she shook her hand-basket and there was money inside of it and she knows where this young girl is now so she says and she is the daughter of the countess sarah macgregor said the stupefied notary and just now she offered me so much to declare that her daughter was not dead and the girl is alive and i can restore her to her mother but then the false register of her death if a search were made i am ruined this crime may put others on the scent after a moment's silence he said to madame seraphin this one-eyed woman knows where the child is yes and the woman will call again to-morrow write to polidori to come to me this evening at nine o'clock what would you rid yourself of the young girl and the old woman too Ferrand, that will be too much at once i bid you to write to polidori to come here this evening at nine o'clock at the end of this day rodolph said to murphy desire m de gruen to dispatch a courier this instant cecily must be in paris in six days what that she-devil again the diabolical wife of poor david as beautiful as she is infamous for what purpose monseigneur for what purpose sir walter murphy ask that question in a month hence of the notary jacques ferrand End of chapter five read by celine major